RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You may remember about a month ago here at RCR, we had some Bay of Plenty uh, councillors on and they were telling us how they are being basically strong-armed into fluoridating two of their nine water supplies. And they claimed that there had been a lack of consultation and that they were being forced to do it. And if they didn't go through with the order from on high, from the Ministry of Health via the government, then they would have to pay a lot of money, $200,000 fine up front and then $10,000 a day um, for the period that they were unfluoridated in those two water supplies. Of course, also, you will remember that we had on, um, we've had them on a couple of times, Fluoride Free NZ, talking about their roadshow around the country, which uh, was a month or so ago. And, of course, they had that big debate in Timaru. And also the information that came out of the United States National Toxicology Program, Systemic Review of Fluoride Exposure and Neurodevelopmental and Cognitive Effects. Okay, so it's an issue in Rotorua as well. Rotorua councillors have been questioning the safety and legality of fluoridation directive. They, too, face the same kind of penalties, 200 k up front and $10,000 a day if they don't go through with fluoridation. Anyway, Councillor Robert Lee from Rotorua joins us. Robert, thanks for coming on RCR. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I mentioned the Bay of Plenty councillors, and that's quite brutal, 200 k fine, $10,000 a day until you fluoridate. So what's been happening in Rotorua, and where are the council and the councillors on this issue? Thank you, Paul. Um, Don't forget, in terms of liability, uh, we were told at our council meeting that councillors could be personally liable for uh, fines if we did not implement it. So this is uh, pretty seriously draconian. uh, Sorry, what do you mean personally liable? What the hell is that? Uh, That would mean that uh, if we councillors were to vote against implementing fluoridation in Rotorua, then we could be personally sued in our private capacity. So, yeah, our, our own individual houses would be on the line. How, how is that How is that possible? In a free and democratic society? That's a very good question. I think you might have to direct that question to the uh, outgoing Labour government. This is... Sorry, I didn't realise you are going to say that. That is out of control, man. Uh, yes. <laughs> and so that put a, a, a degree of understandable uh, consternation in the minds of uh, some of our councillors, as you can imagine, uh, when they were told that at our council meeting. So there's been a resisting of this for quite some time in Rotorua by councillors, right? Uh, No, well, I'm told by longstanding councillors that it's been uh, on the council agenda multiple times in, in in the past in history. But in terms of 2023... Unlike uh, the Western Bay of Plenty District Council, we did not consult on this at any stage with the community. So they consulted it as part of their uh, annual plan. And uh, so there's been no consultation in Rotorua and the public have been completely oblivious to this. Okay. Now, the reason for doing this, I I take it's the same as the Bay of Plenty folk. um, And the order behind that was that, you know, people's teeth are in what shocking condition and need mass compulsory medication to fix the problem. Is that what they say? Yeah, that's the whole argument being advanced is that fluoridation uh, strengthens teeth and uh, reduces uh, fillings. 
though the jury is out on that, actually. Yes, but um, I think that's uh, if you if you repeat something often enough, then it becomes true, doesn't it? We have to also mention every time, because this is clown world, that people are drinking sugary drinks in huge quantities. How could you ever work against that? And why should the normal citizens who look after their oral health have to be compulsorily medicated? It's a very good question I don't have an answer to. I, uh, one of our councillors did make the novel suggestion that uh, the fluoridation of uh, fizzy drinks should be considered instead of uh, public water supplies. <laughs> yeah, it's a practical uh, solution. Although people probably wouldn't buy the stuff, if, especially if they knew about the United States National Toxicology Program, which showed that um, there were impacts to uh, health, particularly in young people and babies, and could lower IQ. Are the councillors aware of that study? Uh, very much so. Uh, Councillor Karen Barker, who chaired this particular meeting, um, brought to our attention that a baby typically consumes its body weight in fluid every six days. So that raises issue about overdose in the case of, uh, of, of babies. Furthermore, Councillor Barker uh, arranged for our council to write to the Director General of Health and draw these uh, this research to his attention and ask whether he had considered this research. And the reply we received back was that uh, they had not considered this latest research and uh, apparently have no intention of doing so. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you consider that? Well, there's no obvious reason as far as I'm concerned. Um, from a, from a uh, litigation point of view, when a decision maker makes a decision and doesn't take into account all of the relevant considerations, then uh, that decision could be potentially overturned by the courts. So you're telling me that that person knows more than the United States National Toxicology Program, really? Um, no, they don't, because they're uh, turning a blind eye to it. They're uh, choosing not to be informed, it seems. Yeah, I was kind of being ironic there. Just yeah. the, the sort of hubris and arrogance of that. Well, it seems like they have an agenda, and uh, so they're uh, trying to uh, implement that agenda come hell or high water. So what is the agenda? Because it's obviously not health, because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I have this unfortunate handicap of being unable to read minds, so I can't really... Yeah, but you've got it. There's always a reason. There's always a reason, Robert. Follow the money is usually the reason. You may be right. That's a matter of speculation and not one that I could comment on, I'm afraid. Yeah, but there has to be some sort of explanation where it gets to the level of councillors being personally liable. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I wish I was. Yeah, it um, makes things a little uh, uncomfortable for uh, us in the hot seat. And it seems to come back to the then Director General of Health, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield. Yes, he wrote the uh, directives on his last day in the job, uh, I understand. Oh, last day. I think it was, yeah. So there's a real attempt to avoid public uh, accountability here. So speaking of a free and democratic society, uh Ashley Bloomfield uh, avoided and the Labour government avoided public accountability over this issue. So it's anything but a free and democratic way of implementing uh, fluoride. Well, he's a real piece of work, isn't he? I mean, look what he's done so far. Add this to it. 
And uh, just just saying, uh, just saying. Um, There's interesting comparisons to be drawn because um, both Ashley Bloomfield's um, prior directives as related to vaccines and also the fluoride issue both invoke Section 11 of the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act. So uh, both are medications or medical treatments. And so it is a the Supreme Court in 2018 um, confirmed that fluoride is a medical treatment in terms of Section 11. So it's, it's basically the same arguments being run that this limitation of our rights is justified in a free and democratic society. But if, I would argue that uh, in the context of a worldwide epidemic that apparently millions of people are dying from and that we lock down whole countries multiple times, I think you've got a better argument for justifying this limitation of rights than you have over fluoridation. I'm not aware of anybody dying from a lack of fluoridation. So what are your council going to do here? You've got uh, big fines which are possible. You could be held personally liable. What happens now? Well, unfortunately, uh, I tried to move a few amendments that might have uh, um, put the odd spanner in the works, but uh, I I didn't get the support I I sought from my colleagues. Why not? Um, You'd have to ask them. Again, I have that handicap of not being able to read minds. No, no, but you must you must debate with them. You, they must give reasons, surely. Um, not that are immediately obvious. My suggestion was that we write to the Director-General of Health hmm. and ask for a suspension of his order, please, on the basis that there is ongoing litigation from New Health New Zealand and that his order should be suspended pending the outcome of that litigation. Is that the judicial review? Yes. Right. Okay. And and how how long has that got to run? Oh, um, a long time. So they've <laughs> got eight causes of action, and it, bringing one forward as a preliminary issue in September. So that concerns the uh, the issue that the Director General of Health did not make any attempt to justify the breach of rights or the limitation of rights, um, even though he certainly is doing that. So the argument is that uh, whenever the government were to breach our rights, it has to provide a reason for why it's doing so. So that was completely absent from the directive. So that um, hearing is in September... The decision may take two or three months to come out. Whoever loses probably will take it to the Court of Appeal. It might go from there to the Supreme Court. And if that doesn't um, yield the right results, there's seven more causes of action lurking behind that and then the same old process. So we could be five years away. I can't believe that you didn't get the support for that. What's wrong with your councillors, man? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I was surprised and disappointed. And um, are, they, are they being incentivized to go a particular way? I um, I suspect that uh, the the idea of personal liability shook them up. Yeah, but and... don't they have any balls? <laughs> I mean, why stand for a council to represent people if you if you just cave at the first challenge? Uh, I agree with you, and um, 
Overall, I've uh, found my colleagues um, quite a considerable improvement on the previous uh, batch. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm disappointed in the decision that they made, and um, but I presume they made it in good faith. But, I mean, we are making these decisions under considerable threat from central government, both to the ratepayers and also to us personally. So it is pretty scary, pretty intimidating. Can you can you understand why that threatening attitude is there? Why is it so threatening? Well, they've obviously turned their attention to rolling out fluoride in New Zealand for whatever reason that I can't imagine. And so they're trying to use um, a kind of coercion to make it happen and uh, without being publicly accountable. See, in a free and democratic society... If the decision to fluoridate was unpopular, the relevant government making the decision would um, accede to the wishes of the people. But this is um, this the structure that they've set up in this litigation is really designed to eliminate the public from the decision making process. There seems to be, um, you know, the the element of compulsory mass medication. For people who don't have a problem, vast majority of people don't have a problem. There's a there's a pattern here. They're doing the same currently with um, folic acid in bread because there are 64 pregnancies a year that are affected by it. So everyone, everyone has to consume this that in the wrong quantities is harmful and could be cancer causing. Then from Ashley Bloomfield, there was coercion to take a vaccine. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of people are dead now as a result of that. You see the pattern there? Yeah, I'm not a fan of government coercion at all, and uh, I have done my well, share. It's pretty back. pretty bad, isn't it? When you look at it like that, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and, you know, it's really important, I think, to understand democracy and its essence. And um, from a local government perspective, and this applies to central government as well, um, central government have enabled us councils to make decisions or they've enabled us to charge rates to every ratepayer in the in the city. And the catch is the people who pay the rates get to choose who spends their money for them. What we're really encountering is not that kind of representative uh, uh, governance. It's it's a a government that has an agenda, uh, has a mo has a motive, I suppose. It has a what to poison people plan. to poison it's, people. It's, yeah, it's trying to engineer society according to whatever clever plans it's come up with, rather than actually being receptive to the people and uh, listening to what the people have to say on a topic. Wow, um, what's it like for you to be in this council with all this going on, man? What's it like? <laughs> Oh well, it's interesting. It's uh, we we haven't we don't have a dull day, but uh, it's it, it can be hard work at times. Yeah. So so um, when when is the deadline for for doing this to avoid the two hundred thousand fine? Of course, the council could say no, we're not going to pay it. Go whistle Dixie. See you later. Yeah, it would be kind of interesting to test it and see. Uh, well, what would they do? Government. What could they do? Yeah, I mean, ten thousand dollars a day. <laughs> Through you, I mean, what yeah. can they actually do? Well, when the personal liability uh, kicks okay, in, okay, then they 
come for my house. Let's see how the neighbors come for my house. Let's see how the neighbors and the citizens react to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've you've hit the nail on the head. Ultimately, the solution to this is is uh, not so much litigation, but it's about the people who uh, rise up and uh, get the message across to central government. We don't support this. Back down, and that would make the problem go away. I think you'd win it. Mm. I really do. Mm. That fold in a moment. Yes. Well, I did speak to the Rotorua MP Todd McClay on this topic, and. Um, the uh, indication he gave was that uh, National don't have any appetite for unwinding this uh, legislation. I don't know if any of the smaller parties do. What, you mean he'd keep it there? Um, that's the message I got from him, yes. O- on what possible basis for him? I, uh, I think people, a lot of people haven't got themselves informed about the latest research. Yeah, but the and- concept of mass medication without... Any yeah. way of your water system, surely that rings a bell in Todd's head. Well, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. No, I, I know that, but I, I'm sort of onto the, um, onto I'm asking channel. the obvious questions through you. I don't mean to <laughs> nail you to the wall, but you know, you can see how crazy it is. Oh, yes, yes, I can, and um, I'm with you, brother. No, I, I get I hear that. Wow, <laughs> have we really come to this in our country? Have we really come to this? I'm well, apparently, we have. Um, uh, it looks like the vaccine mandates um, were a bit of a thin edge of the um, of the the thin edge, the thin edge of the wedge. But the that's wedge. it. What he yeah. said, yeah. So very little justification for it, um, but nevertheless, they're repeating the uh, script. Yeah, and you know what? We know they don't care for the people's teeth. They don't give a damn. Yeah, my understanding is that Napier is fluoridated and Hastings isn't, and there's very little difference, um, pr- probably down to a margin of error kind of difference. So um, it's a much ado about not very much. Well, it's in the end, it could be poisoning people. That's the allegation, isn't it? It's, um, well, it seems to be that the toxicology program, United States National Toxicology Program, has shown definitively that there is a seven-point IQ drop in children. Yeah, and the Hazardous Substances Act um, sort of suggests that uh, when proceeding with these kind of things, one should proceed with caution and err on the side of caution rather than what the the director of the director general of health has done, which has said there is no persuasive evidence that it does cause neurotoxic damage. So yeah, but, he's but there is. The onus. But He's there reversing is. reversing the onus. Yeah, well, he hasn't looked at that, so how would he know? Yeah, but he, the, the Director General of Health doesn't look at that, really? No, and right there is a ground for judicial review. So he I could be the Director General of I could be the Director General of Health in that case. Easy. <laughs> I don't I'm need sure to look at that. Don't need to look at that. <laughs> no worries. Yes, yes. Oh, um, dear. I'd vote for you. I'd vote for you too. There's no public accountability in this game. Wow. I didn't realize that it, um, I I knew it was kind of loosey goosey, but I didn't realize it got to that. Well, good luck to Rotorua. I hope you, hopefully your um, colleagues on council can find a backbone because you know what, if you, if you tell them to stick their fines, New Zealand will support you. You know that. Well, they don't know that. 
And um, well, they're out of touch. Yes, unfortunately, our castle is uh, like a dog, sort of rolled over onto its back and uh, let the director general of health scratch its tummy. And um, you only you only let people do that when it's in your interest. I was looking for. Sorry, you only do that and let people scratch your tummy yes, if you're getting yeah. something from it, if you're getting something from it. <laughs> oh, there is a punchline to all of this. Oh, yeah. The Director-General of Health has offered to pay the capital cost of the fluoridation equipment, but the ongoing cost of buying the fluoride is on the long-suffering ratepayer. Of course it is. And so, who gets who gets the money? Taxation without representation. And who gets the money, Robert? Who's the company that it. provides the fluoride? Who's got shares in it? Who benefits? That I don't know. No, we should find Obviously, that out. The, um, the fertilizer company that has this as a byproduct, I suppose. What do they know, Todd yes. McClay? <laughs> I mean, you got to um, ask these questions. You've got to ask these questions. I think you should ask those questions of Todd McClay. No, I know, I know. But, you know, it's always follow the money these days. It's always yeah, follow it's the a, money. Yeah, it's a good place to start, isn't it? There's a lot of ideology going around these days as well. So that's another motive. You mean brainwashed? What he said. <laughs> you're so diplomatic, man. No wonder you're in council. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure a lot of my colleagues would call me uh, diplomatic. They might be choking on their coffee around about now. Oh, well, this is just driving a steamroller over the ratepayers. Mm. Are you aware of one of the smaller parties in Parliament uh, who uh, opposes fluoridation? I don't know specifically. That's a very good question. We should find out. Thank you. Very good question. Mm. Um, probably the Freedom Party is one of the – well, they're not in Parliament, are they? But they'd definitely be against that because they don't trust anything these people do ever. So mm. um, And fair enough. Neither do I, got to say. Yeah. So let's find that out and let's see whose policy that is. And that might be a good reason to vote for them. It could be. If you don't want your kid with a seven point IQ drop. Sounds like good advice. Okay. Councillor Robert Lee from Rotorua. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy talking to you anytime. Um, all right. Well, thanks for coming on the program. Let's see what happens. You're welcome. Keep up the good fight. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.